0: Quiet.
1: Well, because I wanted to start the show out respectfully. Um, welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim,
0: and my name is Steve.
1: And we, I wanted to right up top um, pay our respects.
0: Yeah, we have some uh, some sad news to report. Um, our friend Kathy, and you remember, may remember Kathy from. Our very early COVID episodes, when things were shutting down, Kathy passed away, and um, if you remember Kathy, she worked for the state of Ohio for the unemployment, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the Bureau of Unemployment. She
1: retired and came back.
0: She retired, and because of the need, with so many people needing unemployment, and they needed help, Kathy volunteered to come back off retirement, to to work to help settle the load. And I will say that we had several listeners call us and contact us, and we put Kathy in contact with them, who Kathy took personal time out mm-hmm. to – Help fix their issues. So Kathy, rest in peace.
1: Yeah, we just wanted to give our condolences to her family. Um, you know, normally we start the show out with jokes and so on and so forth, uh, but we wanted to start out just a little bit somber this this week.
0: Yeah, but 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 Kathy, Kathy would
1: want us to joke. Kathy I think. W-
0: Kathy would want us to she joke. She
1: liked the show.
0: She liked the show, and so
1: we could talk about that launch that happened this morning, but we won't. Ah, uh, congratulations to those folks that went sixty miles up, uh, and oldest space and youngest space cadet. I, what do you call them? They're not space cadets. They're not astronauts. They're, they're, they're
0: calling themselves astronauts are because they, they went them into astronauts? outer space. Yeah.
1: Um, what is it called? Blue. Blue, blue Origin. Blue Origin took yeah. off this morning, made some history. So, yeah. congratulations to.
0: And you know, there's a lot of controversy about that. That people are saying. That money, You know, it's just a billionaire having a, the most yeah. expensive midlife crisis. But then there's other people that look at this as that is how the technology will get expanded. And right now, you know, it may be Bezos going up there and having a little fun. But the technology that will come from this, you I, watch over the years, the technology will be amazing. Because people say... I will-
1: admit that i was the person who was mocking the billionaires that are going up but that is a very valid point that you know nasa is having a little has over the past few years had a little bit of funding issues um and if you have the money you know space is you know it's it's a it's something that we need to explore
0: Um, i i I just heard them talking that yeah this is the first step and they only went up Sixty miles, but then I also heard an analogy that when, by the time the space shuttle was designed and when it went up, the technology in that was so old that the technology that they're using in this is like truly state of the art. Oh yeah, and you know we we don't know the potential. I mean, we can kind of foresee what's going to happen, but there, there's going to be stuff that's going to happen in outer space that you know this the technology that comes from this may Give us the the uh, Wi Fi you know, beam from satellites. And, you know, we we just don't know what's going to come. There will be good there that will, will come be. from this. I
1: I will say though, in addition to my skepticism about you know, you could fix the homeless situation or there's that's a lot to unpack. Um, there's so many nuances to all of the problems that billionaires could fix. There's a reason why they are still existing problems. I will go on record as saying I do wish that instead of spending so much money to investigate space they would spend a little bit more money to investigate the oceans and there's so much of the oceans that are yet unexplored there's so much of our planet that we still don't know about that I wish that some of that money that had been funneled to space would go to that instead and
0: I would counter that by saying you don't know what Type of technology they can use from space to study our oceans. Like and, I'm saying, right? That's fair just too. So there are just so many unknowns, and this is the first step. You know, it might take five, ten, fifteen years, but I guarantee that the technology that they're using right now will progress, and more and more benefit to mankind will come from this somehow. You know, we just don't know yet.
1: You know what I do know. What do you know? I do know that the Olympics start on Friday.
0: So let's just clarify real quick. We are recording this show very early. Oh, yes. It's, yeah. It's not Tuesday. a regular Sunday night. Yeah, it's, Right. It's, it's
1: Tuesday it's, because you're going down to spend some time with your family, your mom down in Florida uh, next week. And so we are preemptively recording. So by the time the show comes out, the Olympics will have already started. But we we wanted to do um, an Olympic themed show but we don't want to do just olympics that's everybody's talking about the olympics so you want to tell the folks at home we're going to go back to where we're talking about
0: we're going to be talking about Greek mythology.
1: We are, because of course the Olympics started in Greece. Uh, and so we don't want to just talk about the Olympians and all that kind of stuff. We wanted to talk about... Uh,
0: talk about the deep dive. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know, the Olympic Olympics are named after for Mount Olympus, which was the home of the gods. And so we're going to talk about them today.
0: Now, seems like I remember in what had been about fourth grade studying Greek mythology. Has that changed or?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think they go way into it, but I remember that too. I remember probably fourth or fifth grade getting every book I could from the library and well, just reading and reading and reading. And I but loved
0: I, it. I remember specifically the classroom I was sitting in because I could look out to my left and see the playground out there. And I remember the, the teacher and us reading these stories and that, that would have been fourth grade. And so that's I, how I remember fourth we'll, grade. We'll
1: have to ask the kids. We'll have to ask the granddaughters. Surely, One of them is going into... Surely
0: by the time I was in fourth grade to now, things have changed.
1: Uh well... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know that a lot of changes in elementary school. It's still the basics. I don't know. All right. So you want to jump in?
0: No, you go ahead and you start.
1: Well, I mean you want to get started. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're going to go way back to the creation. Now, in the beginning, there was only chaos, the gaping emptiness. Then either by themselves or out of the formless void sprang forth three more primordial deities, Gaia, the earth tartarus the underworld and eros love and now once love was there gaia and chaos who were two female deities were able to procreate and shape everything known and unknown in the universe you with me so far so far okay now without a mate gaia brought forth three children uranus the sky oreia the mountains and pontus the sea Now, I will say right at the beginning that there's a lot of, um, shall we say, mixing, family blending, we'll call it, in Greek myths. So, Gaia lay with her oldest son, Uranus, and gave birth to 18 children. Now, the first 12 of them were the Titans. There were six females and six males, and the oldest of whom was Cronus. Okay? Okay.
0: You okay. Good. I'm good. There's
1: also a lot of like family lineage and family tree kind of thing that can get a little confusing sometimes. Now, though lustful and unrestrained, Uranus, the sky, hated his children so much so in fact that he pushed each of them back into the earth, into the womb of their mother at the very moment of birth. And after a while, devastated by grief and pain, Gaia fashioned an adamantine sickle and asked her children to help her throw Uranus out of power.
0: Now, I will say these were not the stories we learned in fourth grade.
1: Mm, some of them you might we now, you might that, hear. This one yeah, not this yeah. one. You okay. didn't hear this one. You might hear some of the other ones, yeah. but Now Cronus, who despised his father, was the only one who wasn't afraid to agree to Gaia's plan and following her advice he hid at a different place in her room and lay there in waiting for a chance to attack Uranus. The chance came that very night when he tried sleeping with Gaia yet again. Kronos stretched forth his hand and hacked off his father's genitals. Uh-huh. And then afterward, he freed his brothers and sisters and became the new king of the gods. And after a brief period of harmony and bliss, Cronos started rolling, ruling the world in the same way his father had ruled it before him, Brutally and autocratically, alarmed by a prophecy and fearing a rebellion, he imprisoned his brothers, the Cyclops and the Hecatonchires, in Tartarus and swallowed all but the youngest of his six children. So, you know, the guys like to eat their kids. This child, who would grow to become Zeus, was saved thanks to the shrewd advice which Gaia gave to Rhea, Cronus' wife, she told Rhea to replace the child with a stone, so when Cronus ate what he thought was his child, he was actually eating a rock. After successfully freeing his brothers and sisters, though, Zeus was unable to overthrow Cronus, at least not until Gaia advised him to free uh, his uncles, the Cyclops and the Hecatonchires, from Tartarus and form an alliance with them. That did the trick, and after ten years, the Olympians finally won the war against the Titans and Zeus became the third ruler of the gods.
0: You know, I think I would rather just report on the sports part because (laughs) there's going to be a lot of words I'm going to struggle with. There
1: are some names that are going to be tough, and we will probably not get them all right, so please don't write us angry letters about how we are mispronouncing all of the Greek gods and goddesses and everybody's names because we're not Greek.
0: Especially me. So
1: let's talk a little bit about who our cast of characters is.
0: All right, let let me cover this one. The most powerful of all the gods was Zeus. Now, he was the guy of the sky and the king of Olympus, but he had a really bad temper and so bad that it affected the weather. When he got mad, he threw thunderbolts when he was unhappy. He was married to Hera, but he had many other lovers. So Hera was the goddess of marriage and the queen of Olympus. She was Zeus's wife and sister. <laughs> I told you. <ya. laughs> okay. So there are many, there are a lot of myths that that talk about, she She was jealous. She was
1: very yeah. jealous.
0: And she took a lot of revenge out on Zeus's other lovers.
1: Right. Both male and female, I should note. Um, and some of Zeus's kids, too. Uh, Zeus had sort of, they the demigods, Hercules was one of Zeus's kids.
0: So Zeus had a brother whose name was Poseidon. Poseidon was the god of the sea, and he was the most powerful god except for his brother Zeus. He lived in a beautiful palace under the sea. Reminds me of a Disney mm-hmm. thing here. <laughs> and he caused earthquakes when he had a temper. So all these guys had some pretty bad tempers. I mean,
1: they're gods. They. This is where, I mean, a lot of these ancient religions and things, this is where... Their um, kind of origins of natural uh, events come from, you know, they don't, they didn't have the science knowledge necessarily to know where thunderstorms and earthquakes came from. So in ancient, the ancient world, uh, they had to, archaeologists. They had and, to explain it somehow. Right, exactly.
0: They had Zeus mad throwing lightning bolts down at us? Right. Yeah. So Hades was the king of the dead.
1: So. I I do want to interrupt you on this one because there's a. a distinction here. Hades was not death. That was a different entity. Hades was the king of the dead. So two different people.
0: Okay. So Hades was the king of the dead, not death himself. He lived in the underworld. Obviously that's where he would want to live. And also because it was heavily guarded and that's where he could really, where he could rule over the dead. Mm. Zeus was his brother and He was the husband of Persephone, Demeter's daughter whom he had kidnapped.
1: And we're going to talk about that. That's my favorite Greek myth. And we're going to talk about that one later on in the show.
0: Well, this brings us to Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love and beauty. And she was the protector of the sailors. Now, she may have been the daughter of Zeus and the Titan Dion, or she may have just risen up from the sea on a shell.
1: You've probably seen that picture. It's called the Birth of Venus, which is um, Aphrodite's Roman name.
0: Yeah. So I think this is a good time to mention that the Greeks, the Greek gods, and the Roman gods were the same, but they right. they had different names. There's for a them.
1: lot of crossover. There's
0: a lot of crossover yep. right here. Apollo was the god of music and healing. He was also an archer, and he hunted with a silver bow. Apollo was the son of Zeus and the Titan. Leto and the twin of Artemis. Artemis was the goddess of the hunt and the protector of women in childbirth. She hunted with silver arrows and loved all wild animals. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus and Leto and the twin of Apollo.
1: I like Artemis. She's one of my favorites.
0: Ares was the god of war. Now he was both cruel and he was a coward. Ares was the son of Zeus and Hera, but neither of his parents. Liked him.
1: Aw, poor They Had had some issues going on here. All right, so now we've come to Athena. She's the goddess of wisdom. She was also skilled in the art of war, and she helped heroes like Odysseus and Hercules. And you may know some of those stories. We're not going to get into them tonight, but um, you can read them on your own time because both of those gentlemen had various exploits in history. Athena sprang full-grown from the forehead of Zeus, and she became his favorite child. So I can't help but think of how Ares might have been a little jealous about that. This one, I, I am, this is a lesser god that I am, the Roman name for this god is Vulcan, but the Greek name, I believe, is Hephaestus, was the god of fire and the forge, which, of course, is the f- the stove, the furnace, in which metal is heated. Although he made armor and weapons for the gods, he actually loved peace, and he was the son of Zeus and Hera, and he married Aphrodite.
0: So he was part of the industrial military complex of the he gods? Were, he
1: was part of, uh, yes, he was part of big, big military. What's it called?
0: The no, industrial called? military complex. Oh, okay,
1: yeah. Okay. Hestia was the goddess of the hearth, which is, of course, the fireplace at the center of the home. She was the most gentle of the gods, and she doesn't really play a role in many of the myths. She was Zeus's sister, and she's actually the oldest of the Olympians. Hermes was the messenger god. He was also a trickster, and he's a friend to thieves. He was said to have invented boxing and gymnastics.
0: Of which we'll see here in a couple days.
1: He was the son of Zeus and the constellation Maya. He's the speediest of all, thanks in part to his winged sandals and his winged hat, and he also carries a magic wand. Demeter-
0: Like Harry Potter.
1: Kind of like Harry Potter. Demeter was the goddess of the harvest. And actually the word cereal comes from her Roman name, Cirrus. She was Zeus's sister and her daughter Persephone is forced to live with Hades each winter. And at this time, Demeter lets no crops grow. And like I said, that's one of the first stories that we're gonna get into. Um, And then finally, Dionysus was the god of wine, which he invented. In ancient Greece, Dionysus was honored with springtime festivals that centered on theater. And he was the son of Zeus and Semele, a mortal. And I would like to take a second um, to... uh, Dionysus is another one that I I know kind of a lot about just because I used to teach theater. And so every year we would have a Dionysus festival where the the students would write their own stuff and perform it for their peers. Um, and we would study Dionysus a little bit, and he was actually raised by fairies, which is where he learned how to make his wine and have a good time.
0: All right. Well, so are we ready, Are we ready to get into our first story? We are. Now that you're familiar with all the characters, that's like everybody. the opening credits right yeah, there.
1: There you go. That's all the gods and all of the things that they are responsible for. The main gods. There are kind of like sub-gods, I think, and then there's demigods, but these are the, the main... Main guys These
0: are the main players.
1: Main players that live up on Mount Olympus.
0: All right. So the first story is about Icarus and Daedalus. And this is one of the stories I do specifically mm-hmm. remember this about was, fourth happening in fourth grade. Yeah,
1: this was the one that you said. I really want to cover this story on the show.
0: Yep. So yeah, because I've heard it before. <laughs> Icarus became well known in the legends mainly on account of his father. Daedalus was a master craftsman and a skilled artisan. The grandson of a former Athenian leader, Dadlus developed a reputation as an ingenious builder. Growing up as a little boy, during Icarus' early childhood, his family lived in the city of Athens, which was a very beautiful place. Athenians enjoyed a very rich cultural life, magnificent buildings, lovely works of art, and a variety of attractive handmade goods Enabled many people in Athens to enjoy a comfortable lifestyle, Daedalus and his family prospered there. Daedalus had already acquired fame as a skilled inventor when one of his nephews joined his household. The young man, who was known as Talos, showed great promise as a craftsman. Also, he apparently possessed more talent, though, than Icarus. (laughs) At first, Daedalus took great pride in in his nephew's accomplishments. Yet as more people get to appreciate Talos' abilities, Daedalus slowly grew jealous. Perhaps he feared his nephew might one day surpass him as an inventor. Daedalus finally committed a terrible deed. He pushed the young man from a great height, killing him. Yikes. As a result of his crime, Daedalus had to leave Athens and flee into exile. His son Icarus accompanied him.
1: Now that's another thing about uh Why they may not teach as many Greek and Roman myths in schools anymore, a lot of them are pretty violent. There's a lot of sex and
0: murder. I grew up with Bugs Bunny and these guys and the Roadrunner, okay?
1: Well, yeah, kids today, though, are a little bit, they're a little bit more sheltered, a little bit more protected, and there's a whole lot of sex and violence in Greek mythology.
0: Well, a lot of this could have been edited for content, too.
1: Uh, There's definitely some out there. They've cleaned them up a lot, and there are some for kids, but they're few and far between the ones that you actually can tell kids.
0: Anyway, the pair set out in a boat and sailed across the blue waters of the Mediterranean Sea. They received an invitation to join the court of King Minos of Crete. The ruler lived in a splendid palace on the lovely island of Crete. King Minos welcomed Icarus and his father to to his kingdom. Daedalus had acquired fame as a builder, King Minos ask him to construct an elaborate labyrinth beneath his palace. The structure built by Daedalus involved so much complexity, anyone entering would have had an enormous difficulty finding a way out. So it all sounds kind of innocent right here, hmm, but, king, but King Minos required the labyrinth for a sinister reason. The king used a labyrinth as a prison for the Minotaur. Now the minotaur was a fearsome creature. The minotaur possessed the head of a bull and the body of a man. Queen Pasiphae of Crete had given birth to the minotaur after her husband, King Minos, offended the sea god of the sea god Poseidon. Guilt-ridden and afraid, King Minos wanted to keep the minotaur hidden away inside the labyrinth and out of public view.
1: You don't want to anger a god. No. Ever.
0: Never. As it happened, the Minotaur would have great impact on the lives of both Daedalus and Icarus. Events unfolded in an unexpected manner. The father and son would eventually find themselves fleeing for their lives. At seven year intervals, the people of Crete sent 14 captives from Athens into the labyrinth for the Minotaur to eat.
1: How'd you like to be one of those? No. How do you get picked for that, I wonder? No.
0: Finally, an Athenian hero named Theseus volunteered to join the group of victims hoping to destroy the Minotaur. When the brave young man arrived in Crete, King Minos's daughter, Ariadne, fell madly in love with him. She begged Daedalus to help her find a way to help save Theseus from certain death in the labyrinth. Daedalus came up with an ingenious idea. He gave Ariadne a ball of string to give to Theseus. As the young man walked through the maze, he unwound the string behind him. He fought and killed the Minotaur, and succeeded in returning alive through the confusing labyrinth, following the Trail of String. Well, old King Minos felt Daedalus had betrayed his trust. He ordered his guards to imprison both Daedalus and Icarus in a high tower above the palace. Daedalus feared for their lives. He devised a plan to escape it with Icarus. He wanted to leave Crete and journey to the distant island of Sicily. So being an ingenious craftsman, Daedalus built two sets of wings, one for himself and the other for his son. He fashioned them out of feathers and wax. As he put the wings on Icarus, he told his son to be careful and always fly beside him. He warned him heat would melt the wax, so they must not travel close to the sun. The father and son took off from the tower and began flying over the sea towards Sicily and their man-made wings. Despite Daedalus's warning, Icarus soared higher and higher. Apparently, he believed his wings gave him godlike powers. But just as his father had warned him, the wax melted. Foolish Icarus plummeted into the sea. He drowned and never reached Sicily.
1: Well, that's tragic.
0: Poor Icarus.
1: Poor Icarus.
0: Yeah. He should have listened to his dad.
1: He should have. All right, so there's our first Greek myth. And the moral of the story is don't...
0: Always listen to your oh, father. I don't
1: know that that's the moral of the story. The moral... It was,
0: it was in this one. I
1: think it's I think it's don't let pride uh, get you get you too close to the sun. Pride goeth before a fall. Like he thought he had godlike powers and then he... No,
0: I think it's he should have listened to his dad <laughs> and told him what to do and he didn't. Anyway.
1: All right, our next story is my favorite Greek myth. And this is another parent-child story. Um, It's the story of Persephone and Hades. Now, Persephone was a true nature child, being the daughter of the goddess of the harvest, uh, Demeter, who we mentioned earlier. Her mother is also affectionately known as Mother Nature. Persephone is a living example of youth, beauty, and life, and she drew the attention of the king of the dead, Hades, who we also mentioned earlier. While picking flowers with some of her friends, Persephone was lured away from the group by the most interesting, beautiful, and sweet-smelling blooms she had ever encountered. As she attempted to gather them, a great chasm opened in the earth, and Hades bore upon her, riding his monstrous chariot pulled by magnificent black stallions. He swept her away to the depths of the kingdom of the dead because she was beautiful and young and wonderful, and he fell in love with her. Now Demeter looked everywhere for her child, causing mayhem and destruction as she went. At first, Zeus didn't see a need to seek out Hades and confront him about the abduction of Persephone. But when Demeter's horrible sadness caused her to neglect her duties as a goddess, the earth began to suffer. Crops died, animals became barren, and the land became cold and lifeless. So Zeus appealed to Hades, but he found out that the problem was a lot more complicated than just asking for Persephone's release.
0: Was this the first example of climate change?
1: Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> now, the underworld has a lot of rules, and one of which is that... Don't fly
0: too close to the sun, Being number one.
1: That, that's not the underworld. There is no sun in the underworld. One of the Underworld rules is that should a mortal consume anything while in the Underworld, that mortal cannot leave it. Supposedly unbeknownst to Hades, Persephone had swallowed several pomegranate seeds.
0: Okay, so this is reminding me of Little Mermaid. Because Ariel was told not to go up to the surface, and she disobeyed.
1: There, okay, so there's. I could see some 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 similarities. Yes, Ariel was told not to go to the surface. She disobeyed. She fell in love, and then when she sold her voice to Ursula the sea witch, she only had so many at like forty eight hours or something to make the prince kiss her and fall in love with her. Yeah, Persephone in in the version of the story that I know, um, when. She was taken. Somehow Demeter had gotten word to her to not eat anything in the underworld. But the pomegranates looked just so good and so delicious. And Persephone, by this point, had started to fall in love with Hades as well. So it was a mutual affection. It wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't it was kidnapping, but. Maybe also a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. But their love story is like one of the greatest love stories of all time, Persephone and Hades. So um, she had eaten, and the story that I, the version of the story that I know is that she ate six pomegranate seeds. And so Zeus, who's usually a stickler for the, the rules, unless it restricts him from getting something that he truly wants. Uh, in this instance, he had to consider the fate of the world. So he decreed that Persephone must be returned to Demeter for everyone's sake and that she and Hades must share their time with her. So the story that I know, because she ate six pomegranate seeds, then Hades gets her for six months and then Demeter gets her for six months. So it's like shared custody of this beautiful young maiden that her mom and her beloved both want to live with them. When Hermes guided her out of the underworld and back to her mother, the earth began to thaw. And the earth experiences spring and summer while Persephone and Demeter are together. And then when she is at home with Hades, then the earth feels Demeter's lament during autumn and winter. And like we said earlier, um, these ancient myths are to explain natural phenomena that perhaps they didn't understand. So this is where we get the change of seasons.
0: I, okay.
1: I love this story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you have heard And one of the most famous figures in Greek mythology is Hercules, but there are also some stories to be told, and one story we're going to tell is the story of Jason. Jason's story is one of many twists and turns. Now, Jason doesn't sound like a very Greek name to me. <laughs>
1: it's Well, I don't, I don't know. That's his name.
0: Okay. But his story spans over decades. One could say... His story starts at birth, but the truth is that Jason's journey was actually part of Hera's plan to seek revenge against his uncle.
1: Like we said, Hera's a really vengeful lady.
0: Yeah. Jason's uncle was not one to be trifled with. His name was Peleus, and he is the reason why Jason did not grow up as royalty. His father was the lawful king of Iolcus, but Peleus wanted the throne and stole it from his brother. Peleus was so evil that he didn't bat an eye when he threw his brother into prison. Jason's fate was not looking so good since all this was happening while he was still an infant. Ooh. Peleus was going to have him murdered to preserve the throne for himself. Jason's mother decided to fake her son's death to save his life during the overthrow of the king. Peleus believed Jason's mother and did not search for the infant, who was being wrapped in a bundle and was abandoned in the wilderness. Jason was placed in a cave, and it turned out to be the home of Chiron the centaur. Centaurs like Chiron regarded, were regarded as wild beasts who mostly got drunk and were quick to anger. But Chiron was not like that. He was regarded as a kind and civilized centaur. Centaur? Mm-hmm. Oh. He was an intelligent <laughs> creature who understood medicine Nature, astrology, combat, and the art of healing, among other things. So, he was a doctor?
1: Um, uh, of sorts, yeah. A healer,
0: okay. Chiron was known as a nurturer and tutor, especially to young heroes. It was not hard for Chiron to become attached to Jason, who became one of the many heroes who trained under him. Jason learned a lot from Chiron that he would later use to fulfill Hera's revenge against his uncle. One trait that many of the gods in Greek mythology had in common was pettiness. Hera, the queen of all the heavens, hated King Peleus because he chose to honor all the gods when he took the throne, but he omitted her.
1: Ooh,
0: She considered this an insult and worth his death, but this had to be done carefully. This hatred provoked her to focus her attention on Jason.
1: Now, Hera needed a true hero to exact her revenge on King Peleus. To do that, she had to guide Jason's fate. For example, Hera was behind Jason ending up with Chiron where he received a proper hero's training. Jason grew up and Hera made sure that he had the heart of a true hero before bestowing all of her divine aid to him. Jason did leave Chiron's care and set off to reclaim his throne. At this point, Hera had decided to test the young hero. On his way to his kingdom, Jason came across an old woman who asked for help crossing a stream. It was up to him to continue his course and pay her no mind or to help the old lady.
0: What's he going to do? What would you do? I would help the old lady.
1: Well, the heart of the hero shined because he did not worry about his quest when he saw that this old woman needed his help. So that means you a true hero, Steve. Jason carried her on his back and crossed the stream with her. And then not long after that, he began to feel like he would not be able to complete the task because the old woman was heavier than he imagined. She was actually Hera in disguise. Uh Uh-oh. Now some wrote that she revealed herself to Jason, while others wrote that she never revealed herself to her savior. But still, he had passed her test, and Hera vowed to help Jason and his endeavors from then on. It should be noted that Jason lost his sandal during the stream crossing which might sound insignificant, but an oracle had spoken to King Pelias and warned him that a stranger with a single sandal would be dangerous to him. Mm-hmm. So Jason continued on his journey, but now with the full support of the Queen of Olympus, even if he wasn't aware of it. Jason finally arrived at Iolcus, the land that was rightfully his, and found his uncle Pelias still in control while his father was still imprisoned. King Peleus was quick to notice that he was missing a sandal and cunningly invited him to dine with him. Jason let his guard down and simply talked to the king. Of course, Jason was an honest man because he was a hero and he informed the kings of his intentions that he was there to reclaim his throne and that was it. So I don't know if he's heroic or stupid or maybe a little bit
0: oboe. Maybe both, just naive and trusting.
1: I guess. King Peleus asked if Jason was truly sure that he could lead a kingdom having no experience. Jason said he was sure that he could handle whatever situation was presented to him.
0: Sure, king. What did you say?
1: (laughs) The king asked him about the kinds of dilemmas that rulers of kingdoms find themselves in. One thing that King Peleus asked his nephew was how he would get rid of a person who was giving him trouble without killing him. Because that's not obvious
0: at all. You could banish him to Hades.
1: (sighs) Ugh. Jason was eager to give a good answer to prove himself a worthy successor. He suggested that the person be sent on a quest to obtain the Golden Fleece. Now, this is a quest that many heroes had failed to complete. And of course, obviously, Jason's suggestion paved his own failure because it was something that King Peleus decided to do. He knew that the chances of succeeding were slim, and he knew that Jason would likely not return. So Peleus told his nephew that this was to be his quest. A quest that would make him a hero amongst men and a king amongst his people. Jason thought it through and agreed to the mission. <laughs> uh, Jason, Jason's kind of a, whatever. Jason needed a ship for the expedition and also had to gather heroes worthy to accompany him. There were a lot of people who thought that the journey was worthy, even though the king did not. One of the heroes who signed up to, for the voyage with Jason was none other than Hercules. Hera asked Athena, the goddess of crafts, to make sure that Jason's ship was worthy of such a voyage and Athena decided to help. The entire group of heroes were called the Argonauts. So you've probably heard of Jason Jason and the the Argonauts. Argonauts. There you go. They set sail as soon as the ship was completed. The crew went through quite a number of strange adventures on their way to Colchis, which is where the mythical region where the Golden Fleece was located. Now the Golden Fleece is, um, it was a exactly what it sounds like. It's a a sheepskin that's made of gold that I believe was guarded by either a cyclops or a minotaur. Now for, for one thing, um, the crew landed on the Island of Lemnos where they found that only women lived and because they killed all the men. Now this happened after Aphrodite cursed the women for not worshiping her correctly. And the Argonauts stayed for the night, but quickly left the Island. The Argonauts arrived at a land called Doliones The people of this land were kind to them and welcomed them with open arms. It was there that the crew wanted to gather supplies to continue their voyage, but the only region where they would find supplies belonged to a race of giants. Of course, the crew had to battle the giants to gather enough supplies. Thankfully, Hercules was able to deal with most of the giants, and the rest of the crew helped as well. Jason set sail shortly after their battle, but made a mistake that caused them to go back to Doliones. This was a regrettable mistake because the good people of this land, confused by the night, thought Jason and his crew were enemies, and they attacked the crew, and many of them perished. The Argonauts stayed for their funeral before continuing.
0: Jason finally made it to Thrace, where he was met by King Phineas. The king was plagued by a curse bestowed on him by Zeus. The curse involved the harpies, which were bird-like creatures with the heads of women that prevented the king from eating whenever it was time to eat. The harpies would defecate on his food. What's the matter? Did, did I mispronounce just, something no, again? No, no,
1: no, no. You say no, no, no. You're fine. I just the harpies are not are not beautiful young women. They're like old, shriveled up, mean, nasty, ugly. Like the women half of them are mean and gross and yucky. And I I'm just picturing it in my head like these.
0: Well, like, that would explain why the king... Shrill just,
1: bird women pooping all over his food.
0: Well, that would explain why the king couldn't eat after that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Jason and his crew helped the king deal with this problem, <laughs> and the king was so grateful that he helped them on their expedition.
1: I'm just picturing, like, the one leftover harpy that they didn't get, just, like, perched in the corner, like, Yeah, you fat idiot! You had to call in reinforcements! Like, just <laughs> the mean, like shrill, awful, just wait a lunch I'm going to poop all over your pie.
0: Jeez, I hope they <laughs> don't sound like that in 20 <laughs> or 30 years. Anyway, the king told them where Colchis was, and he shared a secret about large stones that crushed any ship that tried to cross. He told them to devise a diversion that would cause the rocks to crash into the sea while, made, while they made their way through And this plan worked. The ship made it through this obstacle with nothing more than some minor damage.
1: The mythical land of Colchis is finally reached and Jason finds King Aedes. He is the owner of the Golden Fleece and he finds that he will not let go of this treasure as easily as he might have hoped. Still, he's not an unreasonable king and he decides to give Jason an opportunity to earn the right to claim the Golden Fleece. Jason is to perform three tasks for the king. Hera is able to see trouble and formulates a plan to help Jason. She knows that the king's tasks are not meant to be easy. In fact, he assumes that Jason will perish trying to complete them.
0: But he made it through.
1: (laughs) Spoiler alert. Hera asks Aphrodite to intervene on her behalf by making Medea, the king's daughter, fall madly in love with Jason. It should be noted that Medea is not one to be trifled with. None of them are. Besides being the king's beloved daughter, she's also an incredibly skilled sorceress. Now, Medea's love for Jason guides her to help him on all of his tasks. The first was to plow a field using large oxen with razor-sharp hooves that could kill a man swiftly. If that wasn't bad enough, the oxen were very wild, and they breathed fire. Medea made an ointment for Jason that would protect him from the oxen's hooves and their fire. That's how Jason was able to complete his first task, but his tasks weren't done yet. He was asked to sow seeds after completing his first task, but what he didn't know was that those seeds were dragon teeth. Each seed grew into stone warriors who were bent on killing Jason. No doubt that Jason was to meet his demise at their hand, but Medea offered a little advice.
0: Now we're getting to Game of Thrones stuff. She
1: told Jason to throw stones discreetly at the soldiers, and he did. The soldiers were confused as to who struck them, so they began to fight amongst each other. And in the end, the soldiers killed each other, leaving Jason unharmed. Jason's last task was to overcome a dragon that guarded the Golden Fleece. So earlier I said that it was minotaur or something, it was a dragon. This brawny young hero was ready to charge ahead with his sword, but Medea offered something a little less tiresome. He was smart enough to stop and listen to her, who offered him a sleeping potion. Jason made the dragon fall asleep, and then taking the golden fleece was a piece of cake.
0: Oh, thank goodness. I thought Jason was going to take the sleeping potion.
1: No. The young hero returned to Iolcus after a long and treacherous journey where he found his father dying. Medea made a potion to help him regain his health for a few more years, and Jason was able to reclaim his throne as a triumphant hero. But there's no doubt that Jason was a different type of hero because he came as, overcame his obstacles with the help of Medea and Hera.
0: Well, that's quite the story.
1: It is, but, yeah.
0: Okay, but let's talk about something real quick. So there's this guy named Oedipus. Yes. Okay. Now we're not going to get into this story, but can no. you kind of give us the gist? Because this is how it made it from Greek mythology to this term has actually made it into modern medicine. The
1: Oedipus complex. Yes. Yep. Um, I don't remember the all of the ins and outs of the story, which is why we're not. Well, going to get down it to the bottom line? It's a line. really long story. But basically, to the best of my recollection, he fell in love with his mommy. Well, there's more to it than that. Oedipus was born to a king who had received a prophecy that his his son would murder him. and um it was I don't remember if the part of the prophecy was that he was gonna murder him and marry the queen or but it was basically that he was gonna murder him. So he sent his son he put his son in the woods basically to die um the king took oedipus into the woods to die and some like shepherds found him and saved his life and raised him as their son and essentially what what happened is that oedipus ended up going into the kingdom and ended up like doing battle with the king and then killed the king and married the queen, not realizing that he had fulfilled the prophecy and killed his father and married his mother.
0: And his mother didn't know.
1: And nobody, yeah, his mother didn't know that that was her son. And when they found out, like, there was some old person in the town that, like, had told him about the prophecy or something. And when they found out, Oedipus plucked his eyes out and okay. threw himself off of a balcony.
0: Okay. And the Oedipus complex has made it into... Yeah, it's where you modern psychology.
1: Yeah, it's where you you are jealous of your dad and you like your mom a little too much essentially.
0: You you can love your mom all you want to but not in the way that Oedipus Yeah, no, no, no. 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 Okay. Okay. So let's get on to <laughs> our, our next story.
1: Final story of the show.
0: This is the story of Echo and Narcissus.
1: Narcissus, yeah.
0: Narcissus, yeah. When Zeus came to the mountains the wood nymphs rushed to embrace him. They played with him in icy waterfalls and laughed at him in lush green glades. Zeus's wife, Hera, was very jealous, which we've already established (laughs) that, and she often searched the mountainside trying to catch her husband with the nymphs. But whenever Hera came close to finding Zeus, a charming nymph named Echo stepped across her path. Echo chatted with Hera in a lively fashion and did whatever she could to stall the goddess until Zeus and the other nymphs had escaped. Eventually, Hera discovered that Echo had been tricking her, and she flew into a rage. Your tongue has made a fool of me, she shouted at Echo. Henceforth, your voice will be more brief, my dear. You will always have the last word, but never the first. From that day on, poor Echo could only repeat the last word of what others had said. Echo? hmm yep. You were yep. supposed to say, Echo. Echo?
1: Oh, Echo? Echo. Echo.
0: Okay. One day Echo (laughs) spied a golden-haired youth hunting deer in the woods. The boy's name was Narcissus, and he was the most beautiful young man in the forest. All who looked upon him fell in love with him immediately, but he would have nothing to do with anyone, for he was very conceited. When Echo first laid eyes upon him, her heart burned like the flame of a torch. She secretly followed him through the woods, loving him more and more with each step. She got closer and closer until finally Narcissus heard the leaves rustling. He whirled around and cried out, Who's here? From behind a tree, Echo repeated his last word. Here! Narcissus looked around, about in wonder. Who are you? Come to me, he said. He searched the woods, but he could not find the nymph. Stop hiding. Let us meet, he shouted. Let us meet, Echo cried. Then she stepped from behind the tree in a rush to embrace him. But the youth panicked when the nymph flung her arms around his neck. He pushed her away and shouted, Leave me alone. I'd rather die than let you love me. Love me, was all poor Echo could say as she watched him run from her through the woods. Love me, love me, love me. Humiliated and filled with sorrow, Echo wandered the mountains until she found a lonely cave to live in.
1: Aw, poor Echo. Meanwhile, Narcissus hunted at the woods, tending only to himself, until one day he discovered a hidden pool of water. The pool had a silvery, smooth surface. No shepherds ever disturbed its waters, no goats or cattle, no birds or fallen leaves. Only the sun danced upon the still pond. Tired from hunting and eager to quench his thirst, Narcissus lay on his stomach and leaned over the water. But when he looked at the glassy surface, he saw someone staring back at him. Narcissus Mm. was spellbound.
0: There's someone as good looking as me (laughs) here.
1: Gazing up at him from the pond were eyes like twin stars framed by hair as golden as Apollo's and cheeks as smooth as ivory. But when he leaned down and tried to kiss the perfect lips, he kissed only spring water. When he reached out and tried to embrace this vision of beauty, he found no one there. "'What love could be more cruel than this?' he cried. "'When my lips kiss the Beloved, they touch only water. "'When I reach for my Beloved, I hold only water.'" Narcissus began to weep, and when he wiped away his tears, the person in the water also wiped away tears. "'Oh no!' sobbed Narcissus. "'I see the truth now. "'It is myself I weep for. "'I yearn for my own reflection.'" As Narcissus cried harder, the tears broke the glassy surface of the pool and caused his reflection to disappear. Come back. Where did you go? The youth cried. I love you so much. At least stay and let me look upon you. Day after day, Narcissus stared at the water in love with his own reflection. He began to waste away from grief until one sad morning he felt himself dying. Goodbye, my love, he shouted to his reflection. Goodbye, my love, Echo cried to Narcissus from her cave deep in the woods. Then Narcissus took his last breath. After he died, the water nymphs and wood nymphs searched for his body, but all they found was a magnificently beautiful flower beside the hidden pool where the youth had once yearned for his own reflection. The flower had white petals and a yellow center, and from that time on, it was called Narcissus. And alas, poor Echo, desolate after Narcissus's death, did not eat or sleep. As she lay forlornly in her cave, all her beauty faded away, and she became very thin until her voice was all that was left. Thereafter, the lonely voice of Echo was heard in the mountains, repeating the last words that anyone said.
0: So that ex- that story explains...
1: Yeah, that's another wh- one of my favorites. That, I like that one. That explains...
0: That one. You know, the echo that you hear yeah. when you're in the cave. And, and of also course, we have the term
1: narcissist, narcissist. narcissist. And a flower called a narcissus. Yeah,
0: so that story explains a lot it does. to the ancient Greeks.
1: Yep, I love that story. That's my second favorite story behind Persephone and Hades.
0: Well, that's going to wrap up our episode on Greek gods and, and Greek myths. mythology. Yeah. yeah, as we get ready for the, the Olympics. Yeah, and which if is you not could, in Greece. If in you in could Tokyo. only have seen behind the scenes, you <laughs> I have wish we had no, no idea how hard this was for me to get through this, this episode.
1: <laughs> this hour of your life has taken about two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because these are not uh, these are not familiar names to Steve. <laughs> to Steve, <laughs> and it
0: was fourth grade that I learned about this stuff.
1: Uh, again, if we if we n- mispronounced things, feel free to correct us. That's fine. Um, I'll be screening your emails so that Steve doesn't get his (laughs) (laughs) feelings hurt. But um, definitely watch the Olympics. Watch the Olympics. Uh, You know, the Summer Olympics have you got the swimming. And I'll be cheering on Simone Biles, who I absolutely love in gymnastics. Uh, uh, um, Gabby Douglas also. And, uh, you know, oh, surfing. Surfing is this year. They have surfing.
0: Yeah, they in the added, Olympics they've the first time. Sports, skateboarding.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, skateboarding so. in the Olympics.
0: Yes. Oh. So it's going to be interesting to watch.
1: I, I, my favorite Olympic sport. I like the gymnastics, but I love swimming. I used to swim, and so I like watching the swimmers. And I love street luge.
0: I, yeah, I, I think gymnastics in the summer is to see these people how they can like on that balance beam and what they can do on the floor. And just the the physical strength of the men, the oh, agility yeah. the, the agility of the girls, but and this is what impressed me, and it goes all the way around. But it's the the agility of the girls and just the strength of the men when they do their exercises. It's just amazing. Yep. And I love to watch this. You know these accomplishments that they've trained and trained and perfected themselves to. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah.
1: I'm I I am a little bit more partial to the Winter Olympics um, because they have hockey, but uh, but yeah I definitely like swimming and gymnastics. Yep. So we'll be watching some of it.
0: All right. Well, it's about time to wrap this show up. Sure is. So if well, let me just go ahead and say if you live in the Dayton area, please go ahead and listen to the 937 podcast. Can be found on all. The different platforms and if you're just looking for something to do in the Dayton area in the 937 area code, the Miami Valley, you can listen to this podcast and in about 30 minutes Mm -hmm. get a good clue and idea of what's going on the weekend so you can kind of plan your weekend and your upcoming week because there's so much to do here in the Miami Valley. There's
1: a lot. Yes, sir.
0: And so how do you get hold of us about an hour of your life?
1: You can go to an hour of your life.com. You can write to us at a lost hour at gmail.com. Uh, I know that we had gotten a Podbean comment today, which I didn't get to see, but I saw that we have one. Um, so you can comment on the various streaming platforms. We'll, yeah, I've we'll received get it.
0: several, uh, several comments about our episode with Pee Wee. Oh, cool. Yep.
1: Um, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I will say that I am most active on Instagram, uh, Twitter, occasionally. If we have a big episode like the Pee Wee episode, I'll post something on there. But generally, the best way to find us is Facebook and, and Instagram or on the website.
0: Website. Yep. Yeah, you can You can contact us through the website. Sure thing. So anything else we need to mention this week?
1: I think that's it.
0: All right. So stay safe. Have a good time. And anything else? No, that's it. Okay. So (laughs) from our studios in Sugar Creek Township.
1: Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us.
0: As Pee Wee would say, don't forget that's in Greene County. (laughs) Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us.
1: Sources this week include gods and greek greekmythology.com, and info, please.